Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the most Nordic game tab podcast in the world, House of Games. Don't fact check that, by the way. I'm your co-host Rune, and today I'm joined by my host. Hello, how the hell are you doing, my friend? Great, as always. Good stuff. Now let's head inside the House of Games and see what this week's episode has to offer. <laughs> So last week we spoke a bit about your testing process with Nintendo and your publisher. So I'm a bit curious to know how is that going? Have you made any progress? Done some progress. Since we're sort of recording these episodes, by the time you hear this, I think the game is already out because Knife Boy was just greenlit by Nintendo. So they have tested it and it's good to go. I'm currently working on PR stuff, some GIF files and videos trailers, also the Nintendo eShop banners. I'm also prepping these for uh, Steam because it's going to be released on Steam as well. We haven't decided if it's going to be released day and date with the Switch version. But nonetheless, I have to prepare all of these things before I go to Japan in just about two weeks. Or less than a week. I think it's about a week from now. So that's where I'm at. It's actually greenlit by Nintendo. So that's pretty sweet. Great. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Do you feel like it's at the state it should be for release or is there anything that you feel that left to do or how do you feel about it? Well, I feel great. Maybe you can tell by my voice that I'm a bit happier nowadays. I think last time we recorded I was just in this sort of development hell process with both the Red Colony games, the physical release for those, and Knife Boy because I got like bugs reported back from both of those things and that's, you know, it's annoying. And also I had this this whole visa process going on with uh, my wife's visa and all that. Now we got, you know, expelled and we had to leave the country. So weirdly enough that feels great because now we sort of can sort of focus on what we're going to do. the same thing with a knife bug got greenlit so there's a lot of nice things happening right now the game itself if i feel like i uh, could have done things better and stuff like that of course i played it just the other day and i noticed something that i can't remember if it was intentional or not because one of the guys from shinyudan my publisher there in japan he pointed this out that when you get hurt by the environments you don't lose any life it's untouchable and i said well that's actually intentional because i don't want to sort of annoy the gamer that he will get game over let's say there's some difficult obstacles or platform jumping and all that stuff with a bunch of blades and all that and then you keep losing life and then you get a game over and you're back to start so i said i don't want that to happen because that's quite annoying but we sort of went back and forth a little bit and then i thought well you know in this reboot you can actually buy health potions and bring them with you so that sort of gives the player extra lives to try to pass whatever obstacles they have a difficult time passing so i basically agree with him that yeah you should lose some health points each time you get killed by the environment so i did that and now i noticed that you keep losing lives until you have zero and then nothing more happens and then if you keep playing the game and get punched in your face by an enemy you you get a game over so that was a bit odd and i can't remember if that was intentional or if that's not supposed to be like that now in hindsight i do think that yeah well i mean it's fine the player will lose health points while trying to pass these obstacles but once you have passed them 
you have a chance to find health potions or you know maybe make it through the level and save the game i don't know i feel both ways about that so that's like one thing i've noticed after the fact so that's one thing in terms of making things better yeah there's always things you can improve i am very proud with what i have i think it's good to go i'm sure there will be bugs reported after release but it feels very solid and this reboot like all the things i added to the game is uh, really cool stuff things that i wanted in the original game when it was released on steam back in 2019 but since i didn't know how to implement those things from a programming point of view i i left them out of the game until now so i'm yeah very proud very happy with the final result Cool. Must feel great to have completed the project from start to finish. I think you talked a little bit about the release date for it. So last time, I think you said something like December, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think the Red Colony physical edition is set for December. At least it is on uh, Soft Asia. Well, the, the guys who makes the physical release. It's set on their website for December. And I haven't heard back from the last patch I sent to Nintendo. So I think they are happy with the game, I hope. Knock on wood. So unless Nintendo you know, email us within a couple of days, the physical release is ready for December, hopefully. But Knife Boy, since it's uh, digital only, we think it might be ready next month on the 17th. That's soon. So that's why I'm working on all this PR stuff and uh, preparing all the, the boring stuff <laughs> that you have to. Right. Interesting. So uh, congratulations again. I really hope that it goes well. Speaking of testing, by the way, me and my brother are developing our first game and we are actually in the process of testing the game and getting opinions on it from the outside world for the first time. So there is a an event that we're gonna host in Umeå together with the other people from Game Hub Umeå that is gonna invite members of the public to test our game and another two studios games. It feels really good to get some critique from the real world and to be able to see what people think and if you have the right ideas. I'm really excited about that to start my own testing process, so to speak. I'm curious, like when I released the first trailer for Red Colony 1, there was a comment on Reddit who said, like a game developer, I believe, uh, he wrote something like, are you trying to make like a horror game or a graphic novel or something like that? You shouldn't mix the two. You should either make a horror game or not, is sort of what he wrote. And I felt he, he was so wrong. Like, th there are millions of horror games. Like, the only thing that I feel like makes Red Colony unique is that sort of wacky, etchy, kind of ridiculousness combined with the horror aspects of it. Since then, I have been thinking, like, when you are a developer, especially a small dev like you and your brother or I, like, how much should you change your game based on what other people think about your game? And how do you feel going into this event? Like, do you think you will keep changing the game to satisfy the people who tries it? Or do you think you have the sort of the balls to, to say, nah, like, I hear what you're saying, but you're wrong. I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> have you thought about that? I think... My core mentality is probably that I'm gonna do a game that I want to play and I'm not really gonna care that much about what other people think. 
about the soul of the game, if you will. On the other hand, I am really excited about getting feedback and critique from other people. One thing that I often talk about with my brother is that I look forward to my first negative review on either Itch or Steam because I want to have real feedback. Even though you can be very stubborn with your own idea of what the game should be and the soul of the game, what it should be, there's still, I think, a lot to gain from listening to people because usually, or this is my idea of it, so I think everyone should take it with a grain of salt since I haven't released a game yet, but my idea of it is that people will generally complain about things that they think are minor things or things that can be in some way shape or form be fixed without altering sort of the soul of the game maybe a mechanic doesn't work because the user doesn't understand how it's supposed to work and why or maybe it's just that some theme or some story element isn't presented correctly but if it would be you could still keep your idea and and also be able to keep sort of the soul of the game I think a nightmare scenario for me would be what they did with The Matrix. So I've heard that in The Matrix, the original idea was not that humans were supposed to be batteries, but instead they were supposed to be CPUs, processors for a supercomputer. And that would make a lot more sense the way they would do it. So because The Matrix would be really, really, really complex to be able to simulate, you need a lot of computing power. But as I heard it, at least, Warner Brothers thought that that idea was too complicated and it wouldn't translate to people and people wouldn't understand it. So therefore, they had to go with batteries <laughs> instead of processors. And that makes the whole trilogy so much worse than if they would have stuck with that idea. I think it would be really even more timeless than it already is. That's interesting. Speaking of movies that changed direction based on the public, Jurassic Park Dominions, the, the final chapter in this trilogy of the, the latest Jurassic Park movies I read. I don't know if they changed this based on people's opinions, but one of the drafts was that they were gonna have like human-dinosaur hybrids in the final movie, and that would have taken the show to a totally different level, but they sort of stuck with the what worked in the previous movies and that's I think also made the, the reception for the, the final movie it wasn't that great I, I watched it I liked it but it, they could have done something very different there but if you are interested in dinosaur human hybrids you have Red Colony 2 <laughs> to play so there's plenty of that in there <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, I agree with you there, uh, and as I mentioned on top of the show that I had this, uh, the guy from Shinjudan who helped me playtest uh, Knife Boy, you know, he came with a lot of ideas and opinions on things. When he, I thought he had a good point, I changed them. But I guess it's, you brought up a good point there that it doesn't change the soul of the game. We shouldn't, as a developer or an artist, if you will call it that, shouldn't keep changing things like the soul of the game based on f- feedback. I think that... I think I brought it up before, but Mass Effect 3, you know, they got so much backlash, so they added a bunch of endings. I thought that was kind of weird. And I also fear that From Software is going to start making like easy modes in their games based on all the backlash, but I really hope they don't because yeah, I think I mentioned it last time. I, I would start playing them in easy mode then, but then they would ruin it for me. <laughs> so. 
as opposed to you want it to be inaccessible to people who haven't gone through the trial by fire, so to speak. I uh, know it sounds rude to people who maybe suck at games or are not able to play at games, but yeah, if I get to be selfish for a second, I really hope they don't have accessibilities and stuff like that, because I love the games for what they are and the fact that they are difficult. And if I had an option to make them easier, I would just do it out of laziness. And then I think I would have ruined them for myself. One person that I would say is kind of a role model for sticking to your guts and doing what you think is the best move, regardless what other people say, is Joseph Ferris or Josef Fares, if you are Swedish. There is this thing in Sweden called the Sommarprat or Summer Talk, where a person usually goes through part of their life or their life history and talk about what brought them to where they are and what they thought going through the whole journey and so on. And Joseph Ferris, from the beginning, he was a filmmaker, but then he turned into a game developer. So he's now producing games instead, or maybe both. So one thing that he mentioned in that episode was transitioning from a movie director to a, what you call a game developer, because he worked with EA on the titles that he has released, as I recall. And when he spoke about It Takes Two, which is one of the games he won a games award for, he said he was so stubborn about everything that he wanted to do that, according to him at least, the... uh, directors at EA were close to cancelling the whole game. I think they brought them in to a meeting and said that all of the things that you want to do, we don't think they work and we're cancelling the title. But according to him, at least, he stuck to his guns and said exactly what they thought and he wouldn't give up. So then finally he got to continue making it. And when it was released, it got lots of praise and he got an award for it. It's a really impressive story, so if you speak Swedish and want to listen to a really good talk about sticking to your guns and just doing what you think is right, I highly recommend his summer talk. Hmm, maybe I should check it out. It's so, um, I don't know, it's weird and and, and scary at the same time. Like, you want to stick to your guns because... Most of us do this from like a a passion-driven point of view, so... It really sucks to to cave in on things that you want in your games. I feel so privileged and, and lucky that I can do all of my games by myself because then I can really go all over the place, like really make it wacky if that's what I want to. But of course, when you're in a team, I can imagine that it's going to be much harder. Damn, you have to compromise a lot, I, I guess. When I think about if I would work for another game company one day, I always think about that like, man, I feel so lucky though now that I can do whatever I want. Especially with the Red Colony games makes them quite unique just because they are quite wacky. And I can't imagine many people be like, yeah, this sounds like a great idea, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's something I think with games is also that because they're interactive and you could probably say this with other mediums as well, but it's sort of hard to imagine what it's going to be before you see it. So games are something you sort of have to see to believe what it is and understand if it's a good idea or not. I think usually it's better to just do what you believe rather than relying on the whims of others because usually other people, even though they mean well and they want to help, I think 
as an artist or what you would call it without trying to be hyperbolous but they don't have the same insight into the project and what is supposed to be that you as the creator have i would say that i would rather want at least as a consumer lots of wacky ideas and people trying different things than having people trying to do it safe and not experimenting at all yeah all that sort of turns into what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when uh, to call this art but you know there's so much money involved that it sort of uh, defeats the purpose of the art and then it becomes more like a business and then that's why we play it safe and so on and I, i can you know obviously understand big studios were spending millions upon millions of dollars making these games you know they want to they don't want to lose that so they it just play it safe is uh, i mean the, the price is probably the reasons why people play it safe but i do think that's a perfect space for indie devs to come in and sort of make these smaller wackier games yeah i would say also that my advice is probably more directed towards smaller devs like myself rather than big studios because i guess they have teams and teams of marketing people and strategists and stuff so a lot more smart people than me are probably thinking about a lot of the decisions more than you imagine probably it's funny i saw this this youtuber who played the red colony games uh, in one of the videos he said i mean he's sort of laughing a lot while playing it because it's so ridiculous but then he sort of said uh, we will look back at this game 100 years from now <laughs> I thought about that and also what you said now, it sort of reminded me of, you know, the artists who make these uh, melting clocks everywhere? Oh yeah, it's Salvador Dali. Okay, I remember reading about him, maybe this was in school or something, but most artists made these sort of uh, realistic looking paintings and then he came with these things from nowhere. But I bet few people can name other artists from the same era. Yeah, just name anyone, or at least, you know, he's the one who's stick out the most because he did something different and wacky, while everyone else did quite samey. And that's what I think is going to happen in the gaming industry as well. If we look back at games, like this YouTuber said about Red Colony, a hundred years from now, what games are we going to look at? Like, are we going to look at these sort of Fortnite games that all look the same and play the same and are the same? Or are we going to look at some weird indie games like... Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know, just name it, you know. So from a sort of legacy point of view, I think to be an indie now, it's pretty neat. You can afford to be wacky. And then uh, maybe 100 years from now, people will play your game. Now you will, won't be alive to see it, but still. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fascinating thought. And speaking of art, if you look at contemporary art, art from the modern era or today, something that always bumps me out is the modern art. Because... To me at least, and like a billion people could probably disagree with me on this, but to me it feels like a lot of art has gone from being really realistic. I mean, even Salvador Dali, who made surrealist art, at least what you're looking at is very clear. You can see that it is clocks and there is like wacky stairs and stuff, but a lot of art nowadays, to me at least, would take very little effort to reproduce the same feeling I get from them, I guess. But one thing that I thought about regarding games is that I think that games are sort of the new renaissance of art for humankind. Because if you look at games, the forefront of games, from an art perspective, what they are, 
as opposed to modern art, what is appreciated is only the most sophisticated and most detailed and realistic art. That is what's considered the highest level. And the art is constantly evolving and it's getting better and better. And the tools to create like realistic things are getting cheaper and more available to everyone. So I'm really excited for a hundred years in the future, what we can create regarding that. I hope games will not go into the same level that modern art is now. One game would cost a thousand dollars and there's just one button press and then you're finished. I always thought about Breath of Fire 3, one of my favorite games of all time. The final scene, there's like this sort of high-res pixel art. The whole game is in this sort of 2.5D asymmetric angle. But then it's like a little more high-res, there are bigger character models and all that. And now that you talked about art and where we are 100 years from now, I hope that we can see 3D games in pixel art. That would be pretty cool. I don't know how it would look like, but that would be pretty neat. I sort of like Octopus Traveler, that sort of high-res pixel art with shadows and I think that looks neat. I feel like that's a a new type of art thing we see in the gaming industry. But otherwise I do think a lot of it looks quite samey. Interesting. I haven't played that. So the kind of graphics that you're speaking about, is that 2.5D or is it something else? If we think Uncharted, but it's all pixel art. I have no idea how it would look like, but it would look cool. Or maybe, maybe it would look like shite. Yeah, everything would be like bitmaps, but it's going to be like lots of graphics and it's very detailed, like Uncharted, but it's all in like bitmaps instead of vectors. I don't know if you saw it, but like on Reddit a year or two ago, I saw someone created a game engine that was just text, but it was a 3D game engine. So you could rotate objects and like rotate the camera around the world, but everything would be made up of colored either letters or symbols or things like that. Really, really cool. I guess that's a little bit of what you're speaking about. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I feel like we should be able to do something like that already, but maybe it will look too messy to have all pixel art in a 3D game or something. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, well, I guess that comes back to the argument about experimenting. So that's the good thing about indie devs, that you have a whole sector or a part of the industry that can be more free and just experiment and do things that aren't tested at all. So if there would only be big studios like before indie devs became sort of a thing, then I think the industry would be a lot more boring than it is now. I do remember this boring period in the end of PlayStation 3 era when all the games were sort of brown and gray. I'm happy we're not there anymore. More color is neat. But now I feel like we're moving into some sort of uh, everything is super wacky. I mean, well, I guess at least these, uh, what do you call it, free-to-play sort of shooter games where it's just like customizations and you run around with all kind of masks and it's all colorful and sort of nothing makes sense. I feel like we're stuck in that now with a lot of games. It's sort of like the end of the PS3 era was the 50s and now we're moving into the 60s. Can't wait for the 80s. <laughs> The disco era. Yeah, yeah. It would be cool to see. Have you played Factorio, by the way? No, I have no idea what it is. Have you played it? If so, I'm gonna just make a quick Google search so I can get some sort of... Yeah, so to uh, segue into 
indie devs experimenting. Factorio is an indie game, I would say. The game is about creating a factory. The whole point is that you are stuck on an alien planet and you have to get home from the alien planet back to your home. You start out with nothing, sort of like Minecraft. And to do that, you have to create a rocket. But a rocket is, <laughs> as the name suggests, rocket science. So that takes a lot of effort to build. So you have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is just mining for iron, for example. And then you have to melt that iron or to make it into usable metal and then you have to make that into gears for example and with those gears you can build a small assembly machine and with that you could do a transport belt and so on and you work your way and sort of invent stuff all the way until you can create a rocket and then you win the game but as you create the factory you create pollution as well because burning coal for example creates a lot of pollution so on the same planet as you are, there are alien monsters. Think like giant cockroaches, basically. The more pollution that you create, the more they want to destroy the factory and everything that's creating the pollution. So at the same time, the faster you build, the more you have to either lose to the monsters or build up defenses or you have to factor that into when you're building. So a really, really fun game. The whole point of it is to optimize your factory and build as quickly as possible and streamline an industry all the way till a rocket because building a rocket is really complicated in the game. So you have to have like infrastructure to even manage it. But that is uh, a game from an unknown studio, I would say. This might be their first game, actually. Someone at work told me that there's a mode, like a mod, in Minecraft where you basically do something like this. It's a competition. And there's even, uh, he showed me this uh, YouTube film where there's this YouTuber who's quite big in Minecraft. You know, I'm not really into Minecraft. So I It's quite difficult to understand, but... It looks like there's a lot of graphs and in order to make this item you need to find these rocks, right? And then you craft this one and then, then you craft this other thing and then eventually you have a battery and in order to make this fusion power plant you need this many batteries or whatever. It kind of sounds like what you do at uh, this game you described. And then this YouTuber, he then had his fans competing who could make a rocket first and reach him on the moon or whatever. And there's like a one hour long documentary about that he is showing like i watched like five minutes it looked really interesting and the funny thing is that apparently one of the teams sort of lost quite early on or let's say there was no way for them to catch up with the other team and then they asked the other team so all of this happens through like discord so they said can we come and look at the rocket launch at least and then the other team said yeah sure and then they hijacked the rocket and <laughs> won anyway so it sounds like that, but like a proper game made just for that. Yeah, actually now that you mention it, I'm reading on Wikipedia here. So it says that the game's lead designer cited the Minecraft mods industrial craft and build craft as inspiration during game's development. So I guess that probably is why. Cool. 
But this is a developer that's uh, from the Czech Republic, and I think this is their first game. And after reading a bit here on Wikipedia, I see that the way that they started it was just a really, really small thing. And then they did an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign to develop it. And from there, they've just released it as an early access and then worked on it all the way from 2012, I think. So that's eight years of development before releasing the 1.0. And one other thing that really inspired me with this game as an indie developer is that they always do, and I think they've always done all the way through these eight years, every Friday they release a blog about the game and its current development and what they're doing and what the challenges are and stuff. And that's what inspired me to start my blog, which is not as frequently updated or contain as much stuff, but still the whole thing that they they even go into code stuff and explain like this is the issue because we can't get this to work either efficiently or we have to change this or you get sort of an insight into how they're thinking and why they're making certain choices and stuff. And that's a lot cooler, I think, than just having a finished released game and not being there for the journey. I read or I listened to this audiobook about the guy who made Minecraft and all that. You know, he also had this sort of community tagging along while he made a game. I think it has to be quite, you know, the game has to be a certain type of game in order to have that sort of community driven uh, journey, if you will. Because I always thought it would be freaking cool to work on a game like that where you are involved with the community and they keep playing the game while you make it. But if I were to do that, let's say with Red Colon as an example, I mean, that it's a two hour long game. How the hell can you... I don't know, it's not that kind of game where, where you can have a, a community keep tagging along. And also, would they want to play the game over and over and over again five million times before the actual game comes out? The gameplay, let's say, is not the most fun. I think these types of games, Minecraft and this one you mentioned, Factory, this sort of repetitive... Uh, mundane repetitive thing sort of shield game i love those games don't get me wrong but there's something about those games that just makes you want to play them over and over again and it's basically you know the same thing but they add stuff to it unlike uncharted you can't play that 100 hours at some point it's just boring i would agree that the best case for it would probably be a game with a lot of replay value But I would say another thing that's really nice with the blog that I really wouldn't have come to understand if I didn't have a blog is that, uh, have you heard of the rubber duck effect? No. Usually when you have a problem, usually a programming problem, trying to solve it by yourself can be sometimes you get just stuck and you have no idea what the problem is and you sit there and try and focus as much energy as you can on it and still there's just no new ideas so what usually does work is if you explain the problem to somebody else you have to think objectively enough to explain it in a way for someone who who doesn't understand what the thing is about and that way when you do explain it usually you come to the answer because you thought about it from a different perspective than when you tried to solve it by yourself. 
and a lot of programmers have realized this so what they do to get this effect without having a second person there all the time when you're programming they have a rubber duck on their desk so when they run into a problem they just explain the problem to the rubber duck as if it were a person then they think about it more objectively and then they can on their own just solve the problem yeah, I was going to say, yes, that makes sense, because sometimes when I go to the Unity forums to ask questions, I almost feel like that's what's happening when I'm writing down my question into words. But that's maybe even better to try to explain to someone who doesn't... Yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. I like that. I'm going to try next time I get stuck. Yeah, it's a really, really good way of solving problems, I think. And uh, what I usually say about my blog is that my blog is my rubber duck. So usually when I develop stuff, I write about what I'm doing and I try to be sort of as transparent as possible. And I think that maybe I'll just write something that's embarrassing and people will probably think like, how couldn't you figure that one out or that should be easy. But I think my point is trying to do that as much as possible and don't care about what other people are going to think, just explain exactly where I'm stuck and why it doesn't work or there's a weird bug that I don't understand. And usually I solve the problem, but I still leave the part where I'm stuck in the blog and just explain where I got stuck. That usually helps me a lot. And also, sometimes, as it happens when you're not working with games full-time, life gets in the way and maybe there's a week or two where you haven't worked on the game and you just can't remember where you were and therefore the threshold feels enormous. You can't just start working, you have to understand first where were you and what am I doing and what is it connected to and stuff. But for me, when I started my blog, now I could just read my own blog and then I know exactly where I were and where I left off. Because I'll just usually pick up from the latest draft of my latest blog and I'll see, oh, this is the exact code I was writing. It was because of this and this is what I was trying to do. And then I've just not had that problem since. So that's also a really good reason. Does it have to be a rubber duck or can it be something else? Because I have something in my office that is made in rubber, but it's certainly not a rubber duck. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I think uh, as long as you in your head that it's a person you can talk to, I suppose. Just about anything, probably. <laughs> I have a hard time imagining this thing as a person. But speaking <laughs> of things that are <laughs> that are hard to imagine as people, you have played something else as well. Yes, exactly. So I think maybe it was our talk about conspiracy theories last time that got me interested in this game. Deus Ex, the original from, I think, is it 1999 or 2000 or something? Oh, the original. Yeah, exactly. So it's the one with really old graphics and uh, everyone's face is flat, like a single texture and stuff. But the thing that really hooked me on this game, I, I shouldn't say that I've played it that much. I've only played like the first 10 minutes or something because I've uh, gone through the tutorials and just looked around and probably... I'm taking a lot longer than everyone else. But something that really caught my eye with this game was that I watched the GDC conference. So that's a conference where people usually talk about post-mortems and stuff and talk about their games and what the process of making it was and so on. And one thing that the developers of Deus Ex said about that game 
was that the initial idea for it was what if all of the conspiracy theories that exist out there, what if all of them were true at the same time? And that would be the story for the game. So I heard the developer then have heard people come up to him and say that, oh my god, your game, I love it. It's uh, sort of a commentary on the political left. And then at the same time, someone else would walk up and say, no, it's not. It's a commentary on the right, or it's about this and that. And for them, there was no sort of agenda. That's sort of the idea of it to just take real conspiracy theories and just make a story out of it as if all of them were true at the same time which i think is a really really interesting idea and something that i would want to do someday but it feels like the media landscape is a little bit too harsh i just look at pictures of the game online it's you know it looks like shit now because it's old it would be cool if they made a remake i feel like it's old enough to get a pass on that now that we have all these darn remakes of games that are like two years old but this I feel like could get a good pass and they could use the latest engine. Exactly, I heard that The Matrix took a lot of inspiration from this game because they also wear sunglasses at night and they have trench coats and there's uh, hacking and lots of that stuff and there's this picture of authority as this huge uh, evil blob or something. The uh, GDC talk is called Classic Game Postmortem Deus Ex with the speaker Warren Spector. Really interesting. Just that idea that all of the conspiracy theories are true at the same time. All of them, even conflicting ones, I guess. That's cool, yeah. I'm gonna check out that speech or at least... Yeah, I would like to play this game, but it's just... Oof, it's, it's old. Yeah, it is old. So I think you have to really get over the graphics to be able to play it because it's not easy on the eyes yeah i don't mind like this is the type of game i do mind this 3d all 3d games i think looks like oh (laughs) they look rough comparing to you know like i play breath of fire 3 almost yearly or m4 the style doesn't really age comparing to this but that's cool though that's really cool i like that style when it was made in the first place like i do like half-life one it looks like that also and a lot of other games but i somehow i think it's nice because when things aren't so detailed you have to imagine what it would look like in full hd i guess or modern technology and this will probably come back to haunt me someday soon but as i'm making my own game but i don't like a modern game trying to look like games with like nice games that you make a game that has a lot of graphical limitations even though you don't have to i mean to me you could make something look not very detailed but you make that the style one good example of that is actually the harry potter games so the first and second and third of the harry potter games on pc they went for a low poly sort of a cartoonish look yeah it doesn't look that dated at least not the third today but then if you look at games that came after that like four five six those look a lot more dated to me because they tried to go for photorealistic but they did it like in the early 2000s so that means that faces are flat or hair textures looks really bad or the color is weird but 
if you intentionally go for like low poly and don't do it very detailed, that's a much better strategy, I think. Back to what I talked about earlier, when we look back 100 years from now, I do think that even games like The Last of Us will be maybe not the first game, but the second one, or I don't know, God of War, for example, they will be sort of forgotten because they're going to look so bad comparing to what we have then. I mean, I, I remember Uncharted 1, when it first came out, I played that on a full HD TV, I think, and we were just blown away. We thought it looked real. I mean, this is like, games can never look better than this, and that's exactly what was said back in the Final Fantasy VII days. But today, if you look at Uncharted 1, it looks really rough comparing to games that comes out today. If you go for a certain style, I don't know, it aged well, it aged better, and it's more pleasant to go by and play those games. But these photorealistic games, when we talked about art earlier, those games are these sort of uh, in-the-moment pioneering art pieces. But I do think they will be forgotten in time, comparing to games that go for different styles, if the game is good, of course. Speaking of that, I do remember very, very clearly that when Crisis came out, that was also one of the things that they said that this looks better than reality. <laughs> was a lot of newspapers said that. Oh, uh, yeah. And I also remember that non-gaming websites and uh, newspapers said that. Like Afterblood had uh, like a lot of articles about this game that it's, it's so incredibly, it's better than reality. And now when I look back at it, it looks very good for its time, but you can see very clearly that there's textures here and there, and it's far from unlimited. I remember uh, Gran Turismo 3, I guess, or 4, the one who came, the first one on PlayStation 2. You know, when you draw like a race, you could look at your race with these uh, sort of uh, cool camera views. We played this in our old-ass TV back when I lived at home and all that. And we brought my dad in and said, like, are you watching the race on TV? And then he would look at the TV and be like, oh, what channel is this? So we thought that, I don't know, we to this day don't know if he was just, he knew what we were trying to do. You know, we were trying to make him think it was real. Maybe he was played along, but we certainly thought it looked real. And an untrained eye wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And that's an old game. But, you know, car games have always looked a bit like one generation ahead almost. And also on a TV that old and all that. You, difficult to tell the difference sometimes. I even remember the first Formula game on PlayStation 3. It looked insane. And car games nowadays too. Sometimes it's hard to tell if they're real or not. You touched on something I thought was interesting earlier. Just a, a quick one. The games that are not as detailed makes you use your imagination a little bit more. I feel like that's something I worry about kids growing up who start playing the sort of latest console games straight away. One thing I do with my son often, and I mean daily, we don't watch any TV at all. We only play games, like not video games, but you know Lego and uh, with his dinosaurs and all that. And I, I can already tell that his, his imagination is really growing really rapidly like he can sit by himself and play with his toys he make his own stories i don't you know he he speaks three languages and he speaks none of them quite well so i'm not quite sure what he's saying with these characters but nonetheless i can tell that he's like using his imagination and all that and i think that's really cool and i do sort of worry about kids growing up with all these latest consoles 
where we have all these high textures and really you're not using your imagination the same way you are if you read a book or when you play these old ass 8-bit games that looked awful. You know, you sort of had to fill in the blanks by yourself when you looked at them. Now I worry that kids growing up don't have to do that. I, I don't know if I'm worried, but I'm sort of curious to see game developers 20 years from now, like the, these kids that grew, grew up with PlayStation 5s, like what are those games going to be like? Or will it become more less impressive because they haven't seen these old games and they haven't used their imagination the same way or will they just become better i don't know it's interesting though Uh, i guess we have to wait 20 years until we find out but i think that the future of humankind isn't doomed when it comes to imagination i mean for my own sake i think ps2 was my first console But I do really like to, as evidence shows with the Deus Ex, but I really like to go back to do those games and uh, even earlier games just to to experience them for myself and having that feeling that you're limited on exactly what things are supposed to look like. I think I've heard somewhere that as far back as I think the printing press that people have been complaining about like a similar issue where right now we're complaining that back in my day we didn't have the internet and VR and all that stuff but our parents complained that back in my day we didn't have TV or color TV and so on and I think I've read somewhere that people actually complained about when reading books became big, that instead of experiencing the real world, people were just stuck in books. <laughs> so I think that goes as far back as you wanted to. But I still think that, sure, there are like lots of things that just serves everything to you, so you don't have to do any effort. But to me, at least, maybe I'm just an oldie <laughs> who thinks this way, but to me, at least... I would say that the material that isn't just uh, catering to you becomes a little more mysterious and exciting. That's what intrigues me about the Souls games, even though I'm usually very frustrated when things are not progressing fast enough. But it's still in my mind, the idea of it, I really, really like it, that it's this mysterious thing that you can't access unless you just go through the pain of it. The sales for Elden Ring shows that, I don't know if it was good PR, but a lot of people liked it. And I think a lot of new players to that type of game liked it. And I think the Elden Ring have hooked a lot of new players to that type of game, this sort of mysterious thing where it doesn't hand everything to you. I sort of think that From Software have sort of brought us back to the old days, you know, but with the latest consoles, with all the graphic power and all that, but the the games reminds me a little bit of the the games back in the day. So maybe history don't repeat itself, but it rhymes. So it's like, I don't know, it's sort of we're back to that in, in terms of From Software, and maybe the success of Elden Ring will make more games like this. So there's nothing to worry about, maybe. At least you always have like a bigger, bigger back catalog of old games if you want to go back to a certain era of making games a certain way. I think, as you say, it does go in waves. But I think that it's better nowadays when things are not difficult. 
because of technical limitations like you can't make a lot of stuff with games you have to make it difficult for it to last a lot of hours but instead that it's difficult by conviction like it's a a decision you have all the tools to make any kind of game you want to make but you can make an easy game you can make a hard game you can make a long or a short game but you choose to make a really difficult one because that's what you want to do and i think that will last even longer as you've seen so far at least with the dark souls games than some of the games that are quite older but they are difficult because they can't deliver as much as we can today yeah uh, something else that goes in waves is my blood sugar and uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding <laughs> I was gonna say something about I'm getting uh, I'm about to pass out <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm getting uh, tired and about to pass out uh, <laughs> no but that's that's true uh, I do like when we, we talk about these things and then I usually get worried about something and then we, we talk about it and it's like yeah, I guess yeah, it's nothing to be worried about yeah, well, it could very well be that I'm naive as well. So I wouldn't say that my words are law. I guess uh, time will tell. Or maybe like all these things that like the kids who grow up not playing these old games. Maybe it's like, I don't know, it's almost like a, what do you call, not genetic, but, you know, kids and, and the people just getting smarter and smarter. Maybe they just have to have a quick look at it and then they're fine and then move on and then... I don't know, comparing to us who grew up with it, I mean, we were sort of blown away with all those stuff back in the day. Maybe for kids growing up now, it's just not necessary to go through all of that to have great imagination and all that. But uh, yeah, we will see what happens in the future. I'm really excited about it. What do you say, Odo? Should we close the door on this week's episode or...? you have anything else to say? No, I think that will do it. So in the future we will have an update when you have your game slaughtered by the public. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking about maybe having the... Because the thing we're testing is just the mechanics and not the story or level design or anything like that. So I'm thinking of maybe publishing it on the web for people to try. So we'll see. Cool, cool. Well, that's it for this week. Have a good one. Bye! Bye-bye.